0: Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Westling, and I am joined alongside uh, my co-host, Mr. Brandon S., as we are here to give you our 2022 Iowa State football reaction. Um, Now, a couple things before we go ahead and get underway in this episode. The first thing I will say is that this is um, probably not the final episode. Um, I think we'll probably have one more just going over um i would assume i don't know for sure when most of our transfer portal guys will be you know out um but i think guys who maybe go for dr- I, I just think most of the off season moves will probably done by january so probably expect an episode around um I don't know. Somewhere in that January area, I would say we'd have one. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think college football is just a year-round sport
1: at this point. Yeah, I
0: mean, like this isn't gonna be like an end, like, but we'll like kind of cut it off, and it'll be a 2023 season type thing. Yeah. But I think we'll probably have one more. That's just based on final. Most people who have been out the door, staff changes. Because I don't think we're done, and we'll get to that later on. But um, we're gonna go ahead and do the present, which is um, recapping this year's season. Um, now, before we go ahead and do that, want to give a big shout out to QB1, Mr. Brock Purdy, for going in place for Jimmy G after an injury, threw for 210 yards, two touchdowns, had a pick, but um, guided the Niners to a win. He did what he needed to do, and they beat the um, now 8-4 and four Dolphins. So, shout out to him. He's going to be the star of the rest of the way. So, if you guys have the ticket, or if you guys can go to some bar and grill or something, you, any so some, anywhere with the ticket, you can watch five games of Brock Purdy, and you know they're gonna make the playoffs. So um, there's a handful of
1: games you can see of Brock Purdy in the NFL, which is pretty cool. Yeah, he definitely had a really good. I don't know. I guess it is kind of his debut. Yeah. The first meaningful snaps of more than three passes and. His interception was just on fourth down, so take that. It was basically a punt. Yeah. Yeah. So a really good start for him, and I think he's already lived up to, if not surpassed, his Mr. Irrelevant title. Probably will go down as the best Mr. Irrelevant in NFL history,
0: and he only has to play one game. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, big shout-out to him. Really cool to see that. Sucks that Brees is hurt, um, but obviously Lazard and Montgomery doing their thing. Um, I think Kohler's been hurt for most of the year. Um, but those are the big names uh, to point out in terms of Cyclones in the NFL. But um, I am kind of looking back on what I miss. <laughs> so Iowa State's record, 4-8, and 1-8 in the Big 12, and finished 10th in the Big 12. Um, definitely a little bit off in terms of what I predicted. Now, I played the ceiling, and probably dumb, but, uh, I picked eight and four uh, I guess I meant to say four and eight just flip flopped yeah, the the numbers, with that
1: um yeah, how about you? I predicted seven and five. I thought that was fair, considering what we've seen from the Campbell regime so far um but you know, not a ton went our way this year, and that was due to a lot of reasons but Mostly it's just execution was not there, coaching wasn't there, everything just kind of came together. Issues we've been seeing for a couple of years now all kind of piled up in this year was the showing that we've kind of been waiting for in a sense. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: And just a fun
0: one, Brandon still has his uh, overall Big 12 predictions. Did you want to list
1: list those off? I won't list every single one, but (laughs) just know he didn't get anything right. I got one team's record right, and that was Texas. But not the placement. But that's not a huge deal. Correct. So, I mean, I had Oklahoma first. They went 6-6. Six and six. I had TCU in eighth, and they won the regular season in Kansas State sixth. So, yeah. Um Where did you have us? Fifth? I had us at five, with yeah. our floor at five and seven. Oh, uh, well. So, I guess I need to recalibrate expectations every year and just put floor at three wins. And I love how we it.
0: we came in and this was like, hey, have no expectations. But we expected a bowl game, which at this point under Campbell shouldn't be a huge thing. But, yeah, it was a weird year. Um, so not a lot to say in terms of that. Um, but going on to stats um, for this year, Hunter Deckers playing in 11 and a half games. I don't think that last half of TCU doesn't do a whole lot, but it's something to point out. Shoulder issue, obviously, I don't think Campbell ever touched on it, not that it really mattered as the season was over. Um, but he finished the year in his first year as a starter, um, throwing for 3,044 yards with a 66 completion percentage and 19 touchdowns to 14 picks. He was sacked 26 times. And he had 73 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, Obviously, he lost almost 200 yards to sack yardage. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a terrible year, but it certainly wasn't a great year. It was just kind of a meh. Yeah, he's not. It's hard to, like, really
1: judge him if we're going to be completely honest. I still don't have a full grasp on him. I think his issues are between the ears at this point. He yeah. has all of the physical tools to be successful. Yeah. Now what's holding him back, I don't know for sure because I'm not in the locker room week to week. So I don't know if it is a coaching thing or if it's he's just not making the right reads. He's not seeing the field very well. Yeah. But I, mean, not a great year. I think this is probably a little lower than expectations had him just because of all of the interception issues that kind of increased over the course of the year and he seemed to have a decline in performance week after week, which was kind of disappointing to see.
0: Yeah. I think it's, you know, and the, my, my big reason as to why I kind of said, you know, it's hard to um, really put a, a grade on Deckers is just, I think there were so many other surrounding problems. Like he had his own issues and I'll, I'll bring up what I thought like his personal issues were. You know, I completely agree, like he does have the physical attributes and it seems to be a mental issue. Um but, you know, his line wasn't great. It's never really been great. Um, but it's always been good enough to get the job done most most times. I think there was always a game it'd be like, Oh, they sucked and we just kinda thought it was a worse game than normal, but it's probably what they are, and we just got lucky a lot of times. Um, whether that was Brock was really good at escaping plays and, or you had a running back that could turn negative yardage into four yards somehow. Yep. And so I think we kind of got a true look at what this line has been. They've just had um, two really, uh, three, um, a good quarterback and two really good running backs uh, in the backfield that kind of carried them. Uh, but yeah, I just think the line was really, really bad. And it was kind of got, um, it stuck out like a sore thumb all year long. Uh, running game was pathetic and I'm not sure if that's a running backs issue if that's again a line issue or what that is Um, as good as um, Hutch was this year he still had some untimely drops and just receivers slash tight ends slash running backs as whole just really plagued him with drops so I think he it's hard to kind of say what he did when you know Uh, ever since kansas it he had so much pressure put on him because we couldn't run the ball Um, but at the same time it just felt that his pocket presence and progression across the field never gotten any better better over the course of the year and um you know the pocket presence i feel like there was some sacks that could have been avoided if he just left the pocket or threw it away um and then what my Probably my biggest knock, well, and also I think seeing the field sometimes, was he kind of uh, kept his eyes on receivers too long, which led to some picks. But my biggest knock, and I think it's something that's not maybe talked about a lot, I think he tried to throw the ball way too hard, especially on underneath stuff. And I'll make a comparison um, to the Chargers, because that's just who my NFL team is, so that's like the best analysis I can give you. Uh, the difference in drops between... Um, guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams under Philip Rivers compared to Justin Herbert was completely different where Herbert has a much stronger arm and threw the ball with a lot more velocity and Rivers was like an accuracy guy and that's a very good comparison to Brock and Deckers where Brock was an accuracy guy that never put too much zip on it and I think accuracy was plagued by Deckers and now I'm not gonna go Chargers ran on you, but I don't think there's an actual issue with Herbert. But I just my, my my main comparison is that I do think part of the drops is an effect of the velocity on the ball. Not to say that they can't handle the zip. And there were some really bad ones where it wasn't like the Oki State one, Noll, or the Texas one, Hutch. Like some of those balls doesn't have anything to do with the velocity. But I do think some of the underneath stuff and drops wasn't completely on receivers and they will get put on them. But I do think that Decker's trying to throw too hard led to inaccuracy
1: and drop balls, in my opinion. Yeah, he he wasn't incredibly accurate, but it wasn't a situation where he was just um, sailing receivers like you see with... In Iowa City. Right. Um, So it's hard to really read this team right now, and especially going forward, because you're kind of caught in this position where, especially in this era of college football, do you look at a receiver or a quarterback in the portal? And I don't think we're there. Uh, I, I will say, though,
0: I think it would be hard going into next year and say it's not a competition. I don't think you can sit here after this year and say, yeah, Deckers is our guy for sure. And that's not I'm not trying to put a knock on him. And, again, I think there's surrounding cast issues over the course of the year, but the team went 4-8, and eight and <laughs> I'm, I want to look up – hold on. Team stats on, like, points per game. 20 points per game, and a lot of that was inflated by – Games one and three. So I mean, like I'm not trying to go after him, but at the end of the day, you know when you're the quarterback, like when you do the good things, you're gonna get all the praise. And when you do the bad things, you're you're gonna get you're gonna be like the first one on the chopping block. And I'm, I'm like sorry to Hunter, but this is where he's at right now. And unfortunately, like he's the guy that led this that 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 group and uh week in and week out they just couldn't get stuff done. They had good yardage. Um, I can get you total yardage. One sec. Um, offense. 370 yards per game, but only 20 points. And again, a lot of that was inflated, like, down the course of the year. Like, the Texas Tech is your perfect example. They had over 420 yards of offense and 10 points. So, at the end of the day, he led a group that just could not convert and score. So, I mean, I, I don't... I don't know how you can't look into next year, and you know I don't know what a guy like J.J. Cole would do, and I think we saw Rocco a little bit, but it's just kind of, I don't think you can sit here and say this is Decker's job right now.
1: Yeah, and it's not necessarily that we don't have the talent. No. So it's an easier fix. I don't even know if I want to say easier. It's a different fix than we've had in the past where you just don't have the guys that can compete for a Big 12 title that you're looking for if you want to be, Optimistic on the yeah. future, so I think when you have a guy like J.J. J. Cole coming in, and you have Deckers who had a what nineteen to fourteen touchdown interception, yeah, it's I mean, it's a competition,
0: yeah,
1: um, and that's not a bad thing in any way. I think that brings out the better of everybody involved, yeah. but at the same time, do you want to start a freshman out there and go through a lot of the same growing pains that we saw this year? Yeah, I don't know. So it's a it's a difficult. Conversation that's gonna to have to be made here.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I just kind of thought about this idea now, but you want to go through a, a letter grade by position group. Sure. Quarterbacks,
1: I'll give like a C plus. Yeah, B minus C plus is probably where I would put them at. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, the other quarterbacks hardly even played. 15 so like, it's more of a four. Deckers grade.
0: But moving on, it's, it'll be more of a position group as a whole. Correct. Um, so we will move on to the next position group, which is um, – it, w- it was what it was. Um, the running backs, so Jirel Brock, 99 carries, 445 yards and three touchdowns. Cartavius Norton, 87 carries for 312 yards, two touchdowns. Dion Silas, 271 on 60 carries for three touchdowns. Elias Sanders, 47 for 197, zero touchdowns. Um I am still a huge advocate for if Jireld never got hurt this year, I think this team without a doubt makes a bowl game. Um, And I know there was huge issues offensively, but even with as bad of the line as it was, I think Jireld could have gotten a yard against Tech. I think he would have been able to run the ball effectively enough to beat Kansas. I think he would have been able to help us pull away from Okie State and maybe even K-State. And I know we're playing the whole what if, right? And not all those games go your way, but a lot of the losses were an impact of we couldn't run the ball. I think Kansas, Kansas State, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech are five games that, in my opinion – if Iowa State had a mediocre run game, I think you win probably every single one, because in in every single one of those games, you had one play, even as bad as as of days that those were, you had a had one play that could have won you the game, and Iowa State couldn't convert those in any of those games, and so it's like, Iowa State, even as with as bad a performance and how terrible the run game was, they were still in the game because of their defense. So I think if you have Jarrell Brack completely healthy the entire year. Iowa State could have won nine games and finished like, third in the Big 12.
1: I think they're in the position to win a lot of games, but one score has kind of been the story of Iowa State for a long time. Yeah. Um, Especially under the Campbell. So, I don't know if – yeah. I'm not saying you win all those. I'm just
0: saying, like, with those being one score, and, like, I'll kind of do a, a, you know, recap of those, and this isn't necessarily offense – But three missed field goals against Kansas. Um, K-State, defensively, you know, they gave up a huge broken play to Phillip Brooks, and that's their only touchdown of the game. And, yeah, but that's not an offensive thing, so I'll go back to offense. Um, You know, Hutch dropped a fourth and seven. That would have put Gilbert in field goal range. Um Texas, Hutch had a really big drop, kind of made up for it by getting a third down later on, and then Deckers put it on the ground. Deckers also threw a pick in the red zone that game. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, Noel had a crucial drop. That wins you the game most likely. Um, And Texas Tech, I mean, you had two opportunities to get, like, a yard or two yards and that's the difference of like two touchdowns and they got no points out of either of those trips. So I I don't know. I think Jirell makes a huge difference. I was, I was really a big, um, I I was really hopeful on Cartavius Norton. I think there were certainly sparks, but he didn't kind of give me what I wanted by the end of the year. Um, and kind of seeing how Sandard played over the course of the last two games, it kind of makes me wonder, like, Kansas game? Why 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 wasn't he the guy? Or K State? Like I'm gonna just kind of sitting here like when Norton and Brock were hurt, why was Dion the guy? Um, I yeah I don't know. I I, I do
1: think this team would have been a lot better with Chirel though. There'd be a lot better, and I he's definitely a guy that has a experience and can hit the right spot. And you see that with a lot of times with the younger guys, even Cartavious, he did not hit the hole. Correctly, a lot of times. He missed holes and he was way too patient. Correct. And under a bad line, you can't be patient. No. You, get, you either got to pop it outside, which is what you should be doing when you have a speed guy, or you just got to go and get three yards because you can't be getting behind the sticks this much. Jai Ralph showed that pop early on in the year. and I mean, I think, look at the Iowa game, right? Yeah. I mean, and
0: that's just so weird to me is... How did we go from that ninety nine yard drive to this? I'm j i am I like I've sat and thought about that so many times. Deckers looked like a poised veteran and Jarell Brock consistently held onto the rock and got enough yards against the Iowa defense, which is one of the best in the country. So I'll continue to sit here and be like, How the heck did that happen? And how are the heck are we four and eight? But yeah, I think that's really the running back room. Uh, again, I think we've mentioned this before, but it really sucks for Gyrell that he um, waited his turn and was really injury-plagued after a strong start. I mean, I think he had over 300 yards going into the Baylor game and ends with 445. So really tough year for him, um, and I think we just had too much inexperience at running back, and they weren't Brees Hall, so, or they weren't David Montgomery, right? Two guys that took over halfway through their freshman year. We just didn't have that in these guys. Yep, I think if everybody's healthy, this is probably a B-plus room. Yeah. But I might be a little harsh. I think it's a D-plus group. and I th- After the injuries? I mean, if you don't count the injuries, then it's better. But, I mean, you got to count injuries. It is what it yeah. is. And you couldn't run the ball. And that was the weak point of this offense. They could put too much pressure on Decker, so it's a D-plus
1: for me. I think with the, the complete... Group with all the injuries and everything, it's probably a C C minus. I think it's running backs are pretty much a product of your line, so it's hard to fault them too much for this. But at the same time, they were. I
0: I can move up to a C minus. Yeah, they, they weren't
1: that. making plays on their own like we've seen from past running backs, and you don't want to compare them to guys like David and Brees. But I don't. We did broke what one play all year that wasn't there so yeah. i mean can't be overly positive especially with all the talk campbell was doing pre-season Saying how, the, how
0: deep this running back room was and it, i mean he his whole thing was if one guy went down they're fine
1: well they your
0: top two went down and they weren't close to fine so um yeah those are your running backs going on to the only bright spot of the entire offense specifically uh, well the i wouldn't say okay so we're Talking about the receivers, but specifically the only bright spot of the entire offense is Xavier Hutchinson. 107 catches, 1,171 yards, uh, six touchdowns. Unfortunately, he didn't go out with a bang. Two catches for 11 yards versus TCU, which really sucked. Um, but that's just whatever. Um, yeah, he was incredible, and we'll touch on him. We have like his own segment later, um, but he is a Blitnikoff finalist. I believe that awards ceremony is on Saturday night. This upcoming Saturday, I think. Probably, I can check on him. that. Um, he'll he's going up against Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State and Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee. Probably won't win it, um, but to be completely honest, they really only give awards to players of big schools and even finalists are in are of teams who have good records so for Hutch to get there at four and eight I think just shows you how dominant he's been um incredible year from him definitely propelled his draft stock I think he's may I don't think he'd be second round I think his ceiling is a late second rounder but I think he'll probably go third or fourth round um and I think he'll be a guy that will be playing on Sundays for a
1: while um were you able to find December 8th is that right that doesn't make a ton of sense. On Thursday? Yeah, that doesn't make sense.
0: That might not, I mean... No, that sounds right, because the semifinals were announced on the 27th. Can you... What day was the 27th? Sorry, guys, one sec. Um, 27th was Sunday. Okay, that might be a little off, because the finalists... Oh, that was a semifinalist? When did it, did it say anything about when the finalists were announced?
1: And three finalists will be announced a week later on twenty ninth, which is that was this that week. was a Tuesday. Yeah, so
0: I think that's right. So Thursday. Yeah. Okay, that might be right. So I think that award is on Saturday or Thursday night. So again, probably won't get it, but just for him to get there shows how amazing he was. Uh, we'll go over to kind of, in my opinion, the next three guys to really talk about. I don't want to go all down the line of everyone who did stuff, but Jalen Knowles, your second-leading receiver. um, He had 60 receptions for 572 yards and three touchdowns. Dimitri Stanley, as your wide receiver three, had 33 catches for 420 yards and a touchdown. And in my opinion, your tight end one, even if he wasn't ever the starter. Uh, Deshaun Hanukkah, 17 catches for 244 yards and four touchdowns. Um, I guess you can certainly make a note of Sean Shaw and Easton Dean. Um, those both having two touchdowns, Shaw 153 and Dean 130. Outside of that, not really a whole lot to talk about. I mean, Jirel and Cartavius have yards like running backs. and. Um, but do we want to
1: talk about everyone
0: outside of Hutch or?
1: Everyone outside of Hutch, because I think going into the season, what our biggest thing was to find a wide receiver three and – because we thought we had a one and two, I don't know if we have a one and two. It seems like we have a one and then two threes. Yeah.
0: Well, I think the big thing, and I, I, I was really saying how this I was really banking on a Jalen Noll breakout. Um, not like to be insanely dominant, but just to step up from last year. Because I think coming into this year, you know, losing the tight ends, we kind of expected, I wouldn't say air raid, but more spread. And it looked like they were gonna, and then they just kinda of stopped. And so I don't know. I think Jalen Knowle had his ups and downs. I certain he I mean, he's a slot receiver. I think Dimitri's even a slot guy. I don't think he's a strong outside receiver. Uh he wasn't really able to win presses. I mean, he did have flashes of getting downfield with his speed, but I think unfortunately we had two slot receivers. Um, one playing the outside. Um and I mean really Iowa State never really ran a whole lot of three receiver a lot of times so most of the time noel was playing outside so we had two slot receivers primary playing outside and we didn't utilize our best pass catching tight end enough so it's it's i don't know what to say i do think jaylen noel dimitri stanley and hanika are, are all coming back uh stanley was one of the three guys that didn't get announced or didn't get a senior day post on senior week um, that he, he would be joined by Isaiah Lee and Gary Vaughn and it's confirmed that Isaiah is coming back I want to say so I think those three guys are using their COVID year and coming back and to be honest I don't see Jalen transferring if he does then some SEC school paid him and for like his raw talent but I don't really think he's going to do a whole lot like he won't play anywhere so if he leaves I mean whatever I guess it puts us in a bigger hole but um, certainly going into next year, he can't be your wide receiver one, and I don't want to take shots on Jalen Noel. I think he's a solid, like he's a fine slot receiver. But he's not good enough to be a wide receiver one, and neither is Dimitri. So I think it's tough. Like I think they did a fine job, but I certainly expected Jalen no to be more in the seven hundred, eight hundred yard range and probably a few more touchdowns. And Stanley at four twenty isn't terrible. I think that's fine. But I certainly wish they would have used Deshaun Hanikum more than anyone.
1: Yeah, I don't know. These None of those three screamed to me to be the guy. So where you go from here, looking at next year, I don't know. I yeah. think it's got to be the portal because you don't have anybody in this room right now or a freshman that's jumping off the page to me. But yeah, overall, I don't know. There, there was no big emergence. I think Hanukkah can be good if we use him correctly, which we didn't really until TCU. Which doesn't help, but I think it's just tough because
0: of your receivers or of your tight ends, Iowa State loves running those three tight end packages, right? We shouldn't, but we do. Well, it was fine the last couple years, but both of your tight ends, I'm not really counting Russ in this. Like, he's a blocker and he's fine. You got second team, all Big 12, but like – Um. Deshaun Hanika and Easton Dean are not run blockers. They're pass catchers. And we just relied on them too heavily in the run game. And this will be something more in the offensive line, but those tight ends cannot win at the point of attack could win at the point of attack blocking. And we just continued to say, hey, maybe they'll do better. We'll keep putting them out there and blocking. And it's like, what do you want to do? I mean, it's fine like what I wouldn't have been mad about if we did more Jalen Knoll, and so this is this is what I wouldn't have been too mad about. Hutch line up on the outside, Jalen Knoll in the slot, have Hanukkah out as almost a receiver, and then Dean as a tight end. And I know that's not an Iowa State thing, right? But you need size on the outside, and I think you can do more of a spread formation and bringing in Stanley to stretch the field. But it's just this team wasn't built to have – Haneke and Dean line up next to each other, right next to Remsburg or Miller, whatever side they're on, and have Russ in the backfield and run smash football. That team was not able to do that this year.
1: They couldn't do that, and changes were made offensively in that sense, so that's good, but at the same time, Campbell is the one ultimately making decisions, so hopefully we see a change out of that in some sense, but... I don't know if we will. I think going to the portal for a receiver and tight end is going to be one of the biggest things we do this offseason.
0: Yeah. Um, but those receivers, um, I mean, we can talk about – we just want to combine the Blitnikoff thing right now since we're on receivers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So we we're going to save it for later after everything, but let's talk Xavier Hutchinson. Um, I kind of hinted at this earlier, but, again, obviously he's a finalist for the Blitnikoff. Blitnikoff Award, for those who do not know what that is, that is the award for the nation's best receiver at any position, um, just any pass catcher. Um, So a couple tight ends were semifinalists, but um, always goes to receiver. Um, But, yeah, incredible season. Just to kind of give you some numbers, when I looked at it earlier in the week, he had about 35 more receptions than Marvin Harrison, 45 more than Jalen Hyatt. He had 20 more yards than Marvin Harrison, but about 100 less than Jalen Hyatt, and then he had six less touchdowns than Marvin Harrison and nine less than um, Jalen Hyatt. So he definitely won't win, um, but if you're going to base off strictly – I think you know the argument for him was he's single – carried this offense and it wasn't good. But he if he didn't, if he wasn't on this team, I don't know how I could ever say that this team's averaged a touchdown a game. I mean, seriously. And so I mean, I, I think it's hard to give him that award with his stats, specifically touchdowns, but a guy like Jan Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt runs in a straight line. I think his comparison is more Marvin Harrison. that should be the real competition. and somehow the award will go to Jalen Hyatt, but um, he was incredible again. I'm not I will I do have to point out a couple of stuff like Kansas State and Texas and he had some he had some drops, but this is a guy who'll be playing on Sundays for a long, long time. This is something that we can continue to talk about like down the road just like looking back on him. I truly believe he's probably the best multi-purpose tool at a receiver in Iowa State history. I think he had a lot of strengths in a multitude of different areas. Um, He wasn't as good of a jump ball guy as Lazard. Better speed, better route running. I mean, just look how he carried this offense this year. I truly believe Xavier Hutchinson is in the competition to say that he is the best receiver in school history. That is a topic for another day, and we can continue to talk about that for a while. But I'm opening that door because I, I truly believe in that. And, um, yeah, I mean, he broke Lazard's single-season receptions record. Um, no, no, sorry, other way around. He broke these. He broke Lazard's career receptions record. He broke his own single-season record, um, and he did make first-team All-Big 12. So there's my round on the Xavier Hutchinson. Um, I'm going to miss him so much. He's one of my favorite players ever in the Campbell ever. And just, I mean, really players ever because there's not really a lot of people outside of the Campbell ever era that I liked. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm i going to miss X, but I can't
1: wait to get his jersey that for to whatever team he goes to. Yeah, for sure. I think when we're looking at every other position group on this offensive side of the ball, at least, you say it's hard to judge him because of all the things around him. X is the only guy in on the team that, made his place happen regardless of what was happening around him yeah he did his thing no matter what was going on whether it's a line whether it's a quarterback whatever he i think he's probably either one or two in the nation for a receiver um his stats don't say that because of the team he's on
0: yeah i and mean if you put him on
1: if you if you i mean i don't think cj stroud's been great
0: but if you put him on ohio state I I mean he I think he's the he's the clear winner and I think Jalen Hyatt's stats are just kind of skewed because he had 200 yards and five touchdowns against Bama
1: and he just kind of is so fast that he can just get behind someone and it's like a broken coverage mm. but and that doesn't work in the NFL so if you're talking who translates better oh yeah like Hutch will be a higher draft pick than Jalen Hyatt and I can guarantee that can
0: I say he's a higher draft pick than Marvin Harrison no but I can guarantee he's a higher draft pick than Jalen Hyatt and I think Hyatt's A junior, so he'll probably leave for the draft, and I will retweet. I will tweet that on Twitter, and just sit here when Hyatt wins Blitnikov, and be like, "Yeah, the NFL knows who the better receiver is." But it's this will be something that I'll talk about for sure later. But it just sucks because guys like Xavier Hutchinson, Will McDonald, Orion Vance, Anthony Johnson all came back, and they didn't have to. And unfortunately, this is the receipt the season they were awarded with, but. Um, I thank Hutch so much for coming back because it was one of the only fun things about
1: this team was Hutch. So This team would have been in shambles without him because he caught seemingly every third down ball. 11 catches a game is just stupid. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's probably that in the conversation for best receiver in Iowa State history, and it's probably not a conversation. No. It's just the team he's on deflates everything a little bit overall for the receiving group though i think you got to go b plus because of hutch b plus and hutch himself is
0: an a plus 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 correct but um yeah that's the receivers so kind of went on a tangent there and i know we're already over a half hour so we'll try to get we still have (laughs) stuff to go through and maybe we'll kind of shorten the end of it but moving on to the o-line This is something we don't need to talk about a lot. This is just straight up an F. I don't want to talk about it. They were terrible. I mean, I'm going to be front and center. I don't care how mean or negative that is. They were awful. And I know that, you know, again, I talked about this. Deckers had trouble with pocket presence and probably walked into a couple sacks by not escaping the pocket or throw it away. And I understand running backs missed holes over the course of the years. The run blocking wasn't completely terrible. But down the stretch, right in plenty of games, I think of Tyler Miller's untimely false starts, or Daryl Simmons' hold, or just anything, and the inability to give Deckers enough time sometimes, or couldn't block for running backs. There, I, it was, it's, it was the one thing that made everything else worse on the offense. And Hutch was the only positive thing because he could make a play, but it made everything worse. It's just an F. I just like they were terrible.
1: Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, I think. But, I don't know. It's, if you're doing it based on other teams in the country, yes, it's an F. If you're going based on Iowa State history at that position, it's not that far off of what we've been experiencing in the past. It's definitely worse. Yeah. But it's not like we've been having these really good offensive lines. I'll probably go a D- minus here. I don't think the pass blocking was terrible. It wasn't great. Yeah, but I don't know. The running blocking needs to improve, and that's the number one thing. If you can't run the ball, then everything else fails. Yeah. Um, but that
0: that that's it for the offense. That's obviously one we talked about a lot more. As for the defense overall, I don't know what they ended up finishing overall in college football, just of their total defense and what they ranked. But I, that uh, TCU probably hurt them. Um, but I still think they probably finished top ten. Um, But the leading tackler was Gary Vaughn with 71. He had one-and-a-half sacks. He forced a fumble and recovered one. Bo Freeler was 68 tackles. Um, He had two passes defended and a pick and a forced fumble. Orion Vance, 62 tackles, three-and-a-half sacks, three forced fumbles and a recovery. Uh, Anthony Johnson, 60 tackles, four passes defended, two picks and a forced fumble. Um... Miles Purchase and T J Tampa combined for eighty tackles, twelve passes defended in a pick and a forced fumble. Um MJ Anderson and Will McDonald um thirty seven tackles, thirty six tackles, um MJ three and a half sacks, Will five and five sacks, um Will forced four passes defended and a forced fumble. Um I think that's kinda where I'll cut it off. Um it was an incredible year. I think so many times, like, obviously this, is a, this isn't something we have to tell you guys, but the reason they were, we were in games is because of this unit. And it's another reason it just sucks that this defense, you know, I talked about some of those seniors earlier that this is what they were awarded with. This defense had such a good defense that this team probably is in the Big 12 title with any offense
1: dating back to 2017. Yeah, probably. I mean, they were 7th in total defense in the country. Yeah. Um, I would assume they're 1st in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and their stats are even kind of inflated because of the last game where you give up 62. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, 20 points a game, you literally have to score 21 to win 9 or 10 games. I can't remember what the exact stat is. Yeah, I think
0: if Iowa State put up a minimum of, like, 21, they would have been playing TCU in the Big 12 title. I mean, it's just any of the any of the offenses outside of 2016 and maybe the 2016 offense, it was better than this. I think any offense under Campbell would have gotten Iowa State to a Big 12 title. Does it win it? No. Well, some of them yes. But just putting up 21 points a game which isn't asking that much. It really just isn't. Those offenses get them to a Big 12 title which just shows how dominant the defense was. Um so I think just kind of we'll do some headliners from each position group, and this is probably a group that deserve more to be talked about, but, you know, we just kind of rambled on a whole lot about the offense, and I don't want to give you guys an hour-long episode, so we only have like 20 minutes left. But um, we'll start with the D-line. Um, the big ones, obviously, MJ and Will McDonald. Um, that The good thing for Will, um, again, tough one for him statistically to not get the sack numbers he wanted. But he is now the Big 12's all-time career sack leader at 35. He got first-team All-Big 12. His draft stock probably took a little bit of a plummet, but I think scouts will find ways to look at this season and find the good stuff because he became a much better defender in the run game, um, and he still showed ways to impact the game with four passes defended. Uh, and like I said, he was way better in run game. Um, MJ was really awesome to have only for, unfortunately, one year as he has entered the NFL draft. Um, but he was really good. He was a better run defender. Um, so those two guys were really, really good. Um, tough that neither one of them will be wearing Cardinal and Gold
1: ever again. But. Yeah, and the biggest question we had for the D-line going into the year is who's going to be opposite of Will. Who's going to step up for any, yeah. Correct. And MJ was great. Yeah, Definitely, I think he stepped into that role probably game four-ish and then really established himself late. Yeah. But I'm mean, he... Honestly, if you're just watching the games and don't look at the what people did in the past, what their hype is, what their NFL draft stock is, I think MJ looked better. Now obviously that's due to a lot of factors cuz Wills being double-teamed double constantly, but yeah. he had a bigger impact on the games it looked like if you're just a casual fan watching the game.
0: Yeah. I'd probably
1: give the D-line like a A- minus, I guess. Yeah, I think the only thing holding them back was... Sacks and pressure. Right. And that was kind of the story in the first four or five weeks is why aren't they getting pressure and sacks? Yeah. Um, as for the linebackers, I kind of told you the
0: stats there. Um, Gary Vaughn and Orion Vance the two ones I talk about. Um, you know, good year from them. I, I mean, I think overall, there's not really a whole lot bad you could say about the defense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just position grade is... Probably similar B plus A minus, I'd say it's maybe the weakest point of the defense, but it's not like it was bad.
1: Yeah, I, there was a couple of critiques early on. I think, I think outside runs, outside and, run games, and those jet sweeps that Baylor and Oklahoma really exploited were the biggest things.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but and they were probably the weakest spot of the defense, but it's not like they were bad, bad by any means. I I think they improved a lot on. Guarding tight ends over the course of the year, yeah, which is really good. It's not like the Big Twelve is loaded with tight end talent, but there wasn't really any of those spots where we've seen a little bit in the past where you just have one guy go off over the over the middle on you. So I I don't know. I think if we can get another guy that like a Colby Reader that can step in and be a guy automatically that can shut down run game, that's gonna be really big in this off season. Yeah. Um, moving on to what I feel and I think Brandon can agree
0: was the best part of the defense. Um, and probably the group coming into the year that we were like, there's a lot of talent, and this was kind of the thing with the whole team, but the secondary specifically was like, well, it's probably gonna be TJ and Miles, and for corners and safety wise, like Bo and AJ moves there, and like yeah, it's got potential, and it was great. I'm gonna stick with an A plus. Uh, TJ Tampa, this would be something we'll talk about later, but I think he might enter the NFL draft. I think he is an NFL corner. I think he, if he does leave this year, it's a little early. But, I mean, Anthony Johnson moved from corner to safety and was incredible. Bo was great in run support. Um, you know, Miles, they picked on him more. Um, sometimes he kind of struggled to get his head around. Um, but Anth- or, um, TJ was just absolutely locked
1: down. Um, it, it was an incredible unit. It, it was great. It's hard to go anything other than any plus. I think it's the best defensive backfield we've had probably in Iowa State history. Oh, yeah. With the DBs plus the safeties all playing at an elite level. There's only a few critiques you can even give them. I think it's just five turning around on some passes. Yeah. And that's nitpicking five passes out of the whole year. Yeah. so
0: And that's kind of what we had to do with the defense, unfortunately,
1: it's just nitpick, nitpick, nitpick. Yep. Yeah. Um... Special teams real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we need to talk about the kicking situation. If we can find somebody that's even a fraction of Mavis, just get the best FCS or low major kicker, please, so we don't have to deal with this again. I mean,
0: I just kind of sit here and look at...
1: I mean, we're not asking you to do a whole lot, but we couldn't hit a 30-yarder to save our lives. It was ridiculous. We're just really streaky, and you randomly throw out the backup... And the last
0: tech, and he goes one for three, and it and i you know I don't know, but we're you you're you're asking these questions, and we can't give you a great answer, but what I can tell you is, I don't know what else kickers do in practice, and you know Jace was like a four star and and I know stars aren't everything, but it's like as a
1: kicker, they kind of are,
0: yeah, and it's like <laughs> we're not asking way. to do a whole lot, I mean your longest on the year was like a forty six and you didn't make it, so. Like, you weren't, like, you couldn't consistently hit a 35 yarder, which was the biggest issue. So, I mean, I don't know. Overall, he went 12 of 20, and Needles went 1 of 3. So it's just kind of, I, you know, as a team, you go 13 of 23. I don't know what to say. Um, Jay certainly lost. I mean, I think part of it's on the offense to get in the end zone, but at the end of the day, he lost the Kansas game. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really know. It's just I don't know how you can't have a better kicker. Um I don't know. That's something you're gonna have to address or at least bring someone in
1: to do competition. I don't know what there should be any competition, but yeah. uh, it's something that's easy to address, honestly. That's probably kicking is something that translate everywhere. Yeah. It's not that hard, even coming out of high school. It's not that different. The uprights are a little bit narrow, I think, but I don't know. It's Kicking shouldn't be a thing that's plaguing this team, and there's got to be plenty of transfers out there that yeah. want to play at a power five. Yeah. Special teams is probably around a D plus, I guess. Spe- yeah, they always are. Yeah, it's just <laughs> our expectations were low for you, but holy f. I mean, it's the same story every single year. They didn't give up any big returns, which was nice. Yeah, I guess. But and then kicking took a step back, so I don't know. Yeah, um, but that was stats it went on for a while but we're gonna
0: do a quickly awards, so we have enough time to at least give you a sneak peek of manning andrews and the portal um again as i noted we're gonna have another episode on like staff and portal so since we really were recapping uh, i think we'll mention manning and andrews and put the portal we will do an- enough to give you guys what you want but then you guys will have to be back in about a month or so for that the, the real one but awards come back or not come back um Newcomer of the year, MJ for me. I'm sure that's probably the same for you. Yep. Um, defensive uh, yeah. Defensive player of the year, um, mine was TJ Tampa.
1: I think I'm going to go him and MJ at a tie. I think if you don't have MJ there, they just continually go at the left or whatever side he goes on. I think right side. Yeah. They just c- continually go that direction and yeah. that ultimately kills you and knocks out a lot of your run and pass defense. So I think I'm going to split it between those two guys. Yeah. Um, offensive
0: player of the year is not a question. X, I mean, it's – yeah. Um, an MVP, um, you know, for a while I was kind of like TJ because I just felt how could you not give it to a defensive player. But at the end of the day, Hutch is a finalist for the Blinnikov Award and –
1: he single-handedly carried the offense, even though it wasn't good. So my MVP's Hutch. I don't think you can say otherwise. Yeah. Honestly, he's the only reason this team won four two games. out of the four games. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing to mention was Anthony Johnson
0: and TJ Tampa were second-team All-Big 12. I don't want to completely attack, but no, I don't know how Jared Russ and Trevor Downing were second-team and quite frankly Anthony Johnson and TJ got snubbed first team but that's what happens when you're 4 and 8 team it's kind of hard to put four guys on all Big 12 um three of those guys being the same side of the ball but yeah uh those are the awards so we have about 10 minutes to kind of go over Manning Andrews and the Portal so we started off Tom Manning and David Andrews will not be coming back to the team in 2023 um it's it's probably more of a mutual thing kind of I that's how know. they
1: always want it to be portrayed they always say splitting or parting, parting ways, ways whatever but you fired him
0: you did but at the end of the day like i th- can't remember which one it w- which way it was but between tom and matt one of them was the best man at each other's wedding so they're close and um it was a tough move i'm sure for matt but it's good to see that he's not stubborn and He made the move. Now we'll see what happens if this is kind of something like Iowa, where even though Kirk has gone through OCs, it's been the same because he's kind of the one running the show. And so we'll see what the offense looks like next year. Um, Nate Sheilhouse is the interim uh, OC. Uh, We've kind of talked about we really want the James Madison guy right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But probably the Ohio guy would seem just kind of like the most likely one.
1: Just, I think we just kinda got a Mac powerhouse going right now. Yeah. He seems very likely to me. Yeah. But That being said, they put up seven in their conference championship.
0: Yeah, so I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um I mean I one thing I, I would say, if you want a better analysis on what the OC and the strength of conditioning coordinator do, go listen to the Um, Emergency Fart, which is football and random things on Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Jared Stansberry and Jeff Woody. And Woody nailed it out of the park. Um, He put everything in perspective for me. It was a really good... I kind of sum it up a little bit. Is just, you know, in terms of an OC, and obviously he was on a team when Tom Herman was here, and he said that far and away he's the best OC he ever had, like, that he was under. Um, And it was just Tom Manning was really... Tom Manning. (laughs) Tom Herman was really good at telling players what you what's the one thing you need to do to make to give this play a shot, and it was something along those lines. And it like when he kind of talked about an OC was <coughs> it's hard for an OC to really do a whole lot because if you have injured players or if like something's not working, you can't just go say something because you're then you're going after your boss and but at the end of the day, um, you just can't write off what the offense was, so I don't really know how to explain it. You guys saw it, it was just bad and it starts with the OC, so you you just gotta get rid of him. You just need I think it's just you need a fresh start. Um Iowa State wanted to do three tight ends and they didn't have the personnel and they were too stubborn to try something new. And so I don't again I don't know if that's what Matt wanted and Maybe Manning's just the guy that got the blame. But it I'm just kind of hoping whoever the new OC is just a fresh look, a fresh offense because, you know, it would have been, been one thing to lose the games and they were close and they were fun. But this team was just not fun to watch, and it sucks because the defense was awesome. But that offense just made
1: Saturdays miserable. It's not a great thing when you're looking forward to punting the ball back. <laughs> but that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. I hope with these moves, you don't just get to the spot where you're blaming the coordinators. I hope Matt also look takes an internal look at himself yeah. and saying what role does, what role do I play in this? Because ultimately it comes down to him. Yeah, he can overturn every decision that's made. Yeah. Um. So, I hope it's not a situation like we have at Iowa right now, where it's, you, They've gone through four coordinators in the Ferris era, and it's the same thing. If we run into that situation, that's going to be a really uncomfortable thing to have, especially where this program came from and where it is now. You don't want to get stagnant, but you also don't want to get into a situation where you're at Nebraska firing a coach for going 9-3. and three. Yeah, and, like, 7-5, 8-4 seasons is, like, legendary at Iowa State. <laughs> if you go 9-3, and you you're literally have the best season in Iowa State history. Yeah. So we're not asking for a ton, and that being said, that's team very well could have won eight nine games yeah. if you have a have a competent offense but yeah so
0: and the andrews one is probably one that's confusing i understand that we're kind of a little confused the best way i could say that how what he described it was probably more of a cultural thing not exactly results driven just more of maybe things weren't going right I, I don't I can't give you a good answer on that because I don't think anybody really knows a good answer on that there's no way to really judge that because the only people who understand that is people in the doors you can't really judge that because like the defense was really good but the, the o-line wasn't like d-line specifically is what I'm talking about and like strength and all that stuff and it's kind of like how is this how is the defensive unit good and the offensive line unit isn't is that's more of a that comes down to the strength and conditioning like they prepare them but then they just hand them off like they're not coaching schemes and everything that's kind of down to the position coaches to figure out how to utilize that and and execute it but I don't I can't give you a good one on that but clearly didn't think it was doing a good enough job or maybe he just needed something fresh I don't know um, I, I can't say a whole lot on that but um, that's kind of the short thing we'll do on Manning and Andrews, and again, we're running out of time here, so we'll quickly talk about the portal. Um, this is going to – we've we've tended about this plenty of times, especially because the season was going downhill and we were just kind of like saying, hey, get prepared for this. Unfortunately, NIL is a real thing, and um, it's brutal for programs like us where we are not – we don't have the money to really give some of these guys the money that they want and they deserve – and there's going to be teams that swoop in. So I think some guys to look out for is TJ Tampa, if he decides to stay in college, he's going to get some offers and maybe Bo Freeler. Um, or there's going to be like a random one, right? Like Craig McDonald got pulled by Auburn. Someone, people are going to get pulled and we've already seen transfers happen. Uh, Dion Silas and uh, Mason Chambers, Blake Peterson are probably the three most notable ones. Zen, Zen. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then obviously MJ left for the draft and we'll continue to hear more news as we continue on, but, um, you know, it's a real thing. We don't really have the money, so we got to hope some of these guys stay and we can keep some of these units intact. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure what to stay say. It's just kind of, uh, hope you can get through, but also on the flip side, I know Matt doesn't want to do this. But he can't be stubborn. This is the area you're in. I know you don't like you using the transfer portal, but look at what this did for Sony Dykes. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just saying, you're gonna have to. You're gonna lose guys, so you're gonna have to. You can't just do MJ and Dimitri like you and Colby. You have to. You have to make moves, and you're gonna have to get a good chunk of players.
1: Especially in football, it's different in basketball where you can get a point guard and he can play right away. football especially when you're a developmental program you're gonna have to find a way to adapt and unfortunately this is the way to do it because you're gonna lose a lot of guys and in some ways that's not a bad thing you came off a 4-8 season so if you lose guys especially on offense it is what it is
0: yeah
1: in some spots that's good if you retain a ton of pieces from a bad team that's almost worse than a fresh start with 40 new guys yeah. at the same time if you lose you're gonna lose one or two guys on the defense especially just because that's a better group that you look at and say that's a huge loss and it is but at the same time we had a couple of those last year and we were fine yeah so you, you have to be aggressive in the portal just with the state of the program and college football um address your weaknesses first and then depth after that and obviously depth was a issue on the offensive side of the ball
0: yeah so we're running out of time sorry probably didn't get a, get a huge thing on portal and manning and all that uh the one thing i will say and i'm gonna try and do this so that i can still give brand closing thoughts we've got two minutes um this team is not far off look at tcu they went five and seven finished i think like ninth last year and they're now in the college football playoff I'm not saying i say it will make the college football playoff but you know they moved on from gary patterson we finally made the tough move of moving on from Tom Manning, and I say tough move because he's close to Matt. So Matt's starting to clean out staff, and if he can utilize the portal and he can, can retain some of these guys, I don't think it. I would say it's in a terrible spot. But any closing thoughts from you,
1: Brandon? No, I think there's one more move I'd like to see made. Coaching staff wise, yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just really football wise, attack in the portal early. Yeah, get the guys you want now. Get the OC you want. Don't be stagnant until March. Yeah. cause uh, I mean, you look at what happened in Iowa City. They got Kate McNamara. But then they, they also, were aggressive early. Yeah. If you waited until after the bowl game, I guarantee somebody else would have got him. Yeah. And also, use NIL to the advantage as much as possible. It's going to be minimal here. Yeah. But when you go after a guy that's from a Mac school, that can make all the difference. Mm. So, I, I don't know. I th- there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. This is going to be a big four-month period, I think, for this team going forward, especially into next season.
0: Yeah. Well, um, as always, you guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Side of the Storm. I'm going to really rush through this because you got one minute. Go ahead and follow us, at Cy of the Storm on Twitter. Um, all updates when podcasts are available. And obviously with this off offseason, um, I post every update of who enters the transfer portal, if we get transfers, coaching staff changes, etc. cetera. Follow us. You guys will also find out when we make our other – podcast that kind of closes out the 22 season which will just be going over the rest of the staff changes but that is everyone that is it everyone thank you guys so much for listening sorry that i got really jumbled at the end hopefully we did enough to kind of recap it thanks for tuning in with us all season long probably we'll have one more episode as noted but that's it you guys thanks for watching have a good week iowa state plays iowa on thursday hopefully the cyclones can get that one but uh until then uh peace out and roll cyclones right Roll clones, baby. Mess that one up. All right. See ya.